This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects. But there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few steps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Tonight, missing the target. The White House admits it won't meet the president's COVID vaccine goal by the 4th of July, as the Delta variant threatens America's independence from the pandemic. The nation's most vulnerable. The concern tonight that the dangerous Delta variant could close schools again in the fall. And why is this type of coronavirus more contagious? We have the answer. Plus, the nation's youngest adults remain the least likely to be vaccinated against COVID. The calls for a new vaccine strategy. Voting rights showdown. The Biden White House faces another setback. Why Vice President Harris is on Capitol Hill tonight. Iranian-backed websites seized. The U.S. government takes down dozens of sites linked to disinformation against the U.S. Race for New York's mayor, the primary election to lead our country's largest city. Why crime in the Big Apple is the big issue. Hot housing market, home prices reach record highs. Why so many are getting priced out of a new house. Teen tased, the shocking video from Florida, as a state trooper tases a 16-year-old, what the police are saying tonight. Messages of support. Tonight, more on Carl Nassib's historic decision to come out and how the NFL is teaming up with the player to help with suicide prevention. And American generosity. How your donations are helping so many military families. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. 
Good evening, and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with what appears to be the first failure by the Biden administration to reach a major milestone in the fight against coronavirus. Tonight, the White House says it will not hit its goal of having 70 percent of adults vaccinated by July 4th. That's mainly because younger Americans just aren't lining up to get their shots. Experts say that's especially concerning because the more contagious Delta variant of the virus is now spreading quickly among unvaccinated young people and is rapidly becoming the dominant strain right here in the U.S. Well, tonight, the president's chief medical advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, says there is now a real danger of regional outbreaks of the Delta variant in parts of the country where vaccinations lag. And while new infections of the virus continue dropping nationwide, as we come on the air tonight, in some areas, including Missouri and Arkansas, cases and hospitalizations are spiking again, driven by the Delta variant. CBS's Janet Chamlian has new reporting on fears of a, of a new surge in parts of the country. But first, CBS's Nancy Cordes is going to lead off our coverage tonight from the White House with more on that missed goal. Good evening, Nancy. Good evening, Nora. And this is a White House that normally likes to set goals it knows in advance it can achieve. And it's not going to miss this goal by much. Still, officials acknowledge that the vaccination rate has fallen faster than they expected, especially among the young. The White House had been hoping to make a big splash this 4th of July by meeting a big goal. Today, officials downplayed the near miss. We don't see it exactly like something went wrong. President Biden issued the challenge on May 4th. 70% of Americans with at least one shot within two months. Let's try to hit that 70% mark. But since then, the rate of Americans receiving their first doses has dropped from 882,000 a day to 320,000. Now the nation won't reach the president's goal until mid-July. Did the White House believe that 70 percent was achievable when you said it? There's no playbook for this. There's no record to look back and say these were the these were the uh, goals that were achieved five years ago or 10 years ago because we're dealing with a historic pandemic. White House aides argue young people are posing a bigger than expected problem. While 79 percent of Americans 50 and up have gotten at least one shot, the rate drops to 47 percent among those ages 18 to 24. The reality is many younger Americans have felt like COVID-19 is not something that impacts them. I just don't see the point because I had already got COVID. I'm not anti-vaccine in any way. Um, just more like literally laziness. Delaware is now raffling off full scholarships for vaccinated students. Here's the joint. Some places are even handing out joints for jabs, a free marijuana joint to adults 21 and up. Nancy Cordes, CBS News, the White House. I'm Janet Shamlian in Houston. Tonight, the CDC is warning America. As long as there are those who are not vaccinated, COVID-19 will remain a threat. The Delta variant is fueling a COVID resurgence. Now more than 20% of all new cases, doubling in a week. First identified in India, research indicates the Delta variant is more contagious and potentially more deadly. People who get this virus have higher viral loads and they have those viral loads for longer periods of time, so they shed more virus. Doctors say children under 12, not yet eligible to be vaccinated, are now among the nation's most vulnerable. We're going to be uh, delivering the information as quickly as possible so that the American public can be ready then to take these vaccines, accept them so that their children can go back to school in the next school year. 
CDC studies show the Pfizer vaccine is 88% effective against Delta if fully vaccinated, but only 33.5% for those partially vaccinated. Missouri now leads the nation in per capita new infections. Patients are overwhelming this hospital in Springfield. It's a lot younger population and a lot sicker population. Dr. Robert Atmar of Houston's Baylor College of Medicine is looking to what's next. We want to be prepared uh, for the possibility that a booster dose may be needed. For now, the priority is getting shots in arms. This upswing is going to cause deaths. There's going to be people you know that are going to die because you were not vaccinated. The CDC says Colorado has the second most Delta variant cases in the nation after Missouri. Colorado health officials estimate 40 percent of COVID cases there are the Delta variant. Nora. All right, Janet Chamley, and thank you so much. Well, a Democratic plan to greatly expand voting rights in the U.S. failed tonight in the U.S. Senate. Democrats didn't come close to the 60 votes they needed to advance debate. CBS's Nicole Killian reports tonight from the Capitol. The Democrat-backed voting rights bill, dubbed the For the People Act, was opposed by Senate Republicans from the start. I think you could appropriately title it the Fool the People Act. And evenly divided. Vice Vice President Kamala Harris, the president's point person on voting rights, presided over the chamber as the GOP blocked debate on the bill. What this is really about is an effort for the federal government to take over the way we conduct elections. The bill would expand automatic voter registration and early voting and partisan gerrymandering and make Election Day a national holiday. But Senate Democrats were unable to secure the 60 votes required to overcome a Republican filibuster. This is all about one thing. Some people don't want some people to vote. The push for a federal voting rights law comes as 48 states are considering nearly 400 Republican-backed bills that would restrict voting. Across the South, grassroots activists organize freedom rights like those during the civil rights movement, concerned the proposals could again make it harder for people of color at the ballot box. It's Jim Crow 2.0. It's the same impact and the same patterns, and and, and that's why we're fighting it. Experts say Congress is running out of time ahead of next year's midterms. Soon we're going to be in the 2022 election cycle. The districts will be drawn very shortly. And at that point, it gets very difficult to, to pass election reforms. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, the lone Democrat who initially opposed the elections reform bill, did vote with his party tonight. He crafted a separate compromise that has support from the White House and former President Obama, but it's not clear if it'll be taken up at all. Nora? Nicole Killian, thank you. And tonight, crime and policing are the top issues as New York City chooses a new mayor. Whoever wins the Democratic primary is heavily favored to win the general election. But with so many candidates and a brand new system getting the results may end up taking a while. CBS's Ed O'Keefe reports from New York. Candidate Catherine Garcia was among the more than a dozen New York mayoral candidates out today looking for votes. Very good job. Thank you. In a city where crime and policing are top of mind amid recent street shootings and random attacks. Think about it. One-time presidential candidate Andrew Yang now wants to run City Hall. People don't feel safe on our streets and on our subways. Murders here are up nearly 14% year over year. Shootings up 64%. This is the biggest mayor's race since George Floyd's death sparked a national debate on policing. Civil rights attorney Maya Wiley wants to cut a billion dollars, or nearly 20%, 
from the NYPD budget. We are going to shift that billion dollars, so we're investing in people's ability to care for themselves. Brooklyn Borough President and former police captain Eric Adams supports more traditional policing tactics. They're going to make a determination based on my plan of keeping us safe with justice we deserve. For the first time, New Yorkers are ranking their choices for mayor. Ranked choice voting lets them list, in order of preference, up to five candidates. If one receives more than 50% of first choice votes, they're the winner. If not, the candidate with the fewest votes is eliminated, and those votes go to the politician people ranked next on the ballot. It's a process that repeats until it's down to two candidates, and one has the most votes. It is very unlikely we know tonight, and patience is a virtue, one that New Yorkers don't often have. And that patience may be needed because this new voting system plus the state's absentee ballot rules mean we may not know who won for several weeks. And depending on who wins, they could make history as this city's first woman or Asian-American mayor. Nora? All right, Ed O'Keefe, thank you. And turning now to a major escalation in the ongoing dispute between the U.S. and Iran. CBS News confirms the U.S. Justice Department has seized dozens of Iranian Internet domains, actually shutting down these websites that targeted the U.S. with disinformation campaigns. Some of them were related to U.S. elections. One of the sites shut down is Press TV, a news operation run by Iran's government. Tonight, the National Association of Realtors says existing home prices hit a record high in May, with the median price topping $350,000. CBS's Meg Oliver reports on how the hot housing market is leaving some buyers out in the cold. This is really cute. For Shannon Brown, the housing clock is ticking. Everything is just flying off the shelf. The bathrooms are huge. The 44-year-old mother of three has one month to find a home after selling the family's South Carolina house, part of a job transfer for her husband. How hard is it to be a buyer right now? It's very difficult. (laughs) It can go anywhere from the asking price to the moon. The Browns lost this one even after bidding 36000 over the asking price. You're basically starting over at zero every single time you don't get chosen. Here in Montclair, New Jersey, houses are selling for up to 30% over asking. Nationally, house prices are up 24%, the biggest jump in more than 20 years. And the average house is selling in 17 days. Historically, low mortgage rates and record low inventory have fueled the boom. Daryl Fairweather is the chief economist at Redfin. It is unsustainable to just have housing prices keep going up and up the way they are. Effectively, Americans are going to feel poorer if they're putting more and more money into housing. New Jersey realtor Maria Vecchione says she's never seen the market this hot. Obviously, you're going to see that some people won't be able to afford the towns that they hoped to live in. So who's in the market for a home like this one? 31% are first-time home buyers. Others are relocating for work or looking for an upgrade, and many are acting fast. Last month, 10% of buyers purchased their houses sight unseen. Nora? Wow. Meg Oliver, thank you. And we have some disturbing video showing a Florida state trooper tasing a 16-year-old boy who was standing outside his girlfriend's home. CBS's Manuel Bohorkas is following the case. I didn't do nothing. This surveillance video shows 16-year-old Jack Rodeman outside his girlfriend's back door last week as a Florida state trooper approaches him with his taser drawn. Moments later, the trooper tases him and he falls hard. Christina Rodeman is Jack's mother. I don't feel like my son deserved that. Put your hands behind your back. 
I'm going to do it again. Some people would ask, if he complied, then it, it wouldn't have escalated. Probably. And I agree. He should have dropped his phone. He's a good kid, but he, he, does, he is defiant with the law enforcement a little bit. Rodeman says she's outraged. The trooper repeatedly tased her son while he was on the ground writhing in pain. I just think he should have called for somebody else for backup. But, I mean, his life wasn't at risk. My son wasn't fighting him. I mean, Jack looked totally calm. You don't feel your son was a threat? Absolutely not a threat. The trooper said he followed the biracial teen into the backyard because he looked suspicious and tased him when he refused to follow his commands to turn around and put his hands behind his back. You think you can do exactly what you want to do? No, because I'm sorry. I just feel like something should be done. He shouldn't have done that to my kid. I mean, his girlfriend's traumatized, the mom's traumatized, I'm traumatized. How's he doing? He's affected a lot of people. I don't know. Rodeman remains at a juvenile detention center facing multiple charges, including resisting arrest and possession of marijuana. He was on probation. The trooper involved was named investigator of the year last March. The Florida Highway Patrol says an administrative review of this incident is ongoing. Nora. Manny Bajorquez, thank you. Tonight, some of the biggest stars in football are speaking out in support of Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib, who on Monday became the first active NFL player to come out as gay. And his number 94 jersey is now the hottest selling shirt in the league. We have more now from CBS's Carter Evans. That's an interception by Nassib. After agonizing for 15 years over the decision to come out. I just want to take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. Tonight, Las Vegas Raider Carl Nassib is getting powerful support from players, coaches, and the league. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell says we share his hope that someday soon, statements like his will no longer be newsworthy. Fifteen other NFL players came out after they retired, but only one, Michael Sam, did it before the draft, and he never played a regular season game. You think we'll see more of this? I hope so. I know there are other gay players in the league, and I hope more come out. Jim Bozinski is co-founder of the LGBTQ sports site, OutSports. More kids will play football now who identify as LGBTQ because of him, and that's a big plus. I'm going to do my best and do my part to cultivate a culture that's accepting, that's compassionate, and I'm going to start by donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project. And tonight, the NFL is matching that donation to the nonprofit offering suicide prevention services to LGBTQ kids, making history on and off the field. Carter Evans, CBS News, Los Angeles. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Tonight, a woman in Ohio says she is thankful to be alive after a wooden plank pierced the windshield of her car. As a truck passed, two boards flew off and one crashed through the window. Wow. Narrowly missing the driver and her passenger. Police later caught up with the truck driver and gave him straps to secure his load. Plus, yep, a ticket. All right. Tonight, a new federal study finds a possible link between marijuana use among young adults. And suicide data from more than 280,000 people between 18 and 35 suggests marijuana users thought about, planned, or attempted suicide more often than people who don't use marijuana. They also found a greater risk among women but said more research is needed. 
And now a heartwarming reunion between a sister and brother who had not seen each other since the start of the pandemic. A World War II veteran identified only as Norman finally met face to face with his 98 year old sister, Jean, to celebrate his 100th birthday. Oh, everybody cheered. We have a follow-up to our reporting on families of active-duty military personnel going hungry during the pandemic. Your response was beyond generous. More than $600,000 in donations. Here's CBS's Mark Strassman on what your money paid for. They're military families fighting hunger, but not today. It means that I can feed my children. It means that we don't have to worry about food right now. On the front lines of food insecurity... Your donations will buy one million meals. 300,000 have already reached families, some distributed near Fort Hood, Texas, by volunteers like Chief Warrant Officer Brad Young. 19 years ago, my wife and I were recipients of food care boxes in our community. One study mid-pandemic showed nearly 40% of active-duty military families sometimes went hungry. So right now we're just kind of living off the one income and we're not used to it. Every day, these service people have our backs. You have theirs. Thank you, CBS Evening News! Mark Strassman, CBS News, Atlanta. All right, the CDC is holding a critical meeting looking into a small number of cases of children who develop a type of heart inflammation after getting the COVID vaccines. We'll have that story for you tomorrow. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in our nation's capital. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Van Sant from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts.